0: Welcome to the Limitless Grit Podcast, where we have conversations with social entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and ordinary people who are achieving extraordinary results. And now, here is your host, Shristi Gajarel. Hey, you guys. Welcome to today's episode of the Limitless Grit Podcast. I've been excited this whole week to share today's episode because... Raha Moharek is such an inspiration and she has inspired me so much. So she is the first Saudi woman to climb Mount Everest and she is also the youngest Arab to do so. She has climbed all seven summits. So to give you a little background on Saudi, women were just allowed to drive a few months ago and physical education and gym were not permitted in public schools up until few months ago and there was no gym when Raha decided to climb everest so she had to learn everything on her own and practice mountain climbing through her research without any guidance or without any role models so one of the reasons why I was so so fascinated with her story it was because she came from a fairly conservative family and she had a really really hard time convincing her parents who had no idea about mountain climbing or anything in that regards that she wanted to climb Everest without any experience. Um, I don't even know how she must have felt and how she was able to convince. And what I love about Raha's story is that she's not doing this for her own sake. She says that I don't care if I'm the first to climb Everest. What I care is I want there to be many more people after me. So she's an inspiration. She is still working towards decreasing obesity in Saudi by encouraging people, especially women, to take care of themselves, participate in physical activities, and she's been a huge advocate in woman empowerment. So it was an absolute honor to have a conversation with her and share her story, and she has truly, truly inspired me. So without further ado, everyone, Raha Moharek. Hey, Raha. Welcome to the podcast. Really excited to have you.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> I mean, I did research on you and I was so inspired. But for people who are not familiar with your work, if you want to give us a little background. Oh,
1: a little background. Um, my name is Raham Harreig. I was born in Jeddah, uh, Saudi Arabia. And I'm the first, but hopefully not the last, first Saudi man to climb the seven summits of the world, including Everest. And uh, I always struggle to explain who I am or what I do, and I get stuck, and I just say I'm a curious soul. I'm a nomad, and who just happens to like mountains. <laughs> I always get stuck when people ask me to explain what I do or who I am.
0: <sighs> but um, you started climbing in your mid twenties, I heard. Yeah. So how exactly. did you? <laughs> how did you go about like starting? To climb a mountain while being born in Saudi Arabia? It was
1: a fluke. It was a complete random moment in my life. I was looking for something different, for something new, for something that would take me outside of the box. And I randomly heard a girl who I didn't know well at the time say that she's going to climb uh, the highest peak in Africa. And as soon as she said that, I was like, hmm, this sounds really interesting. <laughs> And you climbed, I think, like two months after that, right? Yeah, really not, not, much, not much room to, to, to train or to approve or anything. I just went, what? okay. <laughs> I never thought I'd fall in love with mountains as much as I did.
0: What about mountains that you are so in love with?
1: It's a mixture of things. It's the fact that I travel to a new place. It's the training. It's the, the camaraderie. It's the sense of accomplishment the, the fact that you're outdoors and you disconnect—it's—it's it's a bunch of different things that make me really just love the raw feeling of being wild and free.
0: Wow, um, I was like watching one of your interviews and you said when you were in mid twenties, your parents wanted you to come back to Saudi Arabia from Dubai and like settle down and get married. And oh. <laughs> what was their reaction when you told them mom and dad i think i'm gonna go kilimanjaro in two months
1: like any parents (laughs) my dad was like no (laughs) (laughs) no i mean come on like any father would react the same way let alone an arab father and even more shocking a saudi father
0: so Uh
1: they i i think i gave them a little bit of a heart attack when I was like (laughs) I'm gonna climb
0: mountains (laughs) what did you do to convince him in such a short
1: period of time in terms of Kilimanjaro
0: Um,
1: Kili was I think my dad in the end was so fed up with me I sent him a long email uh with my argument why I should climb and like I gave him such a strong stance I think in the end he's like fine you want to climb one mountain climb you know go one and I don't think he imagined that like, when I grow into this career, <laughs> and he just he, he always says that he's like you you took me by surprise. I didn't imagine you would love it so much and reach where you are and be recognized as an athlete
0: now. Yeah. Wow! I was watching your parents' interview with BBC, and they're like Raha means a calm sea, but she's complete opposite. <laughs>
1: Ironically, my name means calm seas when the sea looks like a mirror. That's actual translation, and I, I, I couldn't have been further from a calm. <laughs> I mean, people people get to see my public side and being hyper, and I, I am quite a hyper person. But I I get couch potato days. I get Game of Thrones binging, you know. <laughs> you know i love salad so salad eating just like sitting at home being lazy i i get days like that so i i am hyper i i am a bit of a like my dad says she's a tsunami she's nothing (laughs) but like everybody i have different different facades i'm not always hyper all the time
0: yeah and i think you mentioned you are um an introvert but you seem an extrovert because you have to give so many interviews and you want to make sure you give this interviews because you want to inspire other women
1: of course i always say that i'm an introvert who plays an excellent extrovert i can play an extrovert but i'm pretty i'm I'm a bit of a loner i'm a bit of a geek sitting (laughs) at home you know like i said binge watching star wars and star trek and like geeky stuff like that i but I, I push myself to be more of an extrovert, to, to share my story, to inspire other girls to, to go beyond the scope of what is expected of them. Mm. Why is it so important for you
0: to make sure that other women feel compelled to go
1: beyond their expectation? Because I think it's, it's our duty as the current generation now to pave the way for the next generation, just like how the generation that came before me paved the way for me. I think it's a duty that we that each of us should chip away at that glass ceiling. Mm. And slowly and surely, it's, it's going to disappear, right?
0: And I was so fascinated while I was researching you because you are the first woman from Saudi to climb Mount Everest. And I come from a conservative family in Nepal. And we had like a lot of things we could do but in Saudi at that time girls couldn't even go to the gym and they and there you didn't have any role models there who would you know teach you how to climb mountain or anything how did you go about training and what were mental personal while
1: you had to go through everything was a challenge from figuring out the type of training the gear the preparation all of it was difficult all of it was really hard it wasn't like I could go and join a climbing club we don't have mountains so mm-hmm. it, it was to, to get things going and to get the confidence and the and the routine to train hard
0: wow. so what was the first step
1: the first step was to educate myself to research just to what are the things that are necessary uh, uh, what are the p- important points i have to do slowly to improve my my performance and to improve my stamina, and to improve, improve my physique and all that. So.
0: Oh, wow. Um, and you also always say, like, I don't care if I'm the first person to climb Everest or I don't care if I'm first youngest Arab to climb Everest. I just want there to be a second one. And you've always, you know, like in every interview, you've been consistent with saying that I want more people to come forward and do this.
1: It means to me that I get a I have an opportunity to change the story for us. So if I am the first and last, then it would have been just a selfish climb a girl did one day, uh, which is so small in the grand scheme of things. So yeah, I do I do care about more I, I care more about who comes after me than me. Because it was climbing was was always a personal thing. It only developed into into this mini rebellion later on. So I don't want it to just be a selfish thing a girl did one day. I want it to be a first step in a great story. Everest is hard, right? I mean, I've been to base
0: camp and stay. (laughs) <laughs> and you when you climb there, you have to be there for i think like two months and i and I was there for I believe like forty minutes, and i just in my head, I was like, "I don't know if I can do this like we went back to our tea house, and it was Quite just difficult. yeah, it's really, really difficult. How did you mentally prepare to be there for two months?
1: You can never mentally prepare for something like this. you have to try to prepare the expectation and then you prepare your gear and your food and your training and then when you get there you manage your attitude and you manage your mood and you manage your behavior you can't prepare yourself to mentally living on the Everest for two months it's that something you prepare for did you like read any books or listen to any podcasts oh I'm a bookworm I, I read a lot of books whenever I'm climbing I, I'm either reading a book or I have an audio book so
0: what's what's your favorite that keeps you motivated
1: i i I read a lot, okay, so I started a book series like six years ago, and it's a fourteen book saga. so i i i I had that always as a as a staple, which is the Wheel of Time by uh, Robert Sanderson. Uh, it's like an epic uh, fantasy. I also had classics like Taipan, Pan, He's, uh, a noble house uh, by James Clavell. I also read War and Peace. I think I, re- I read War and Peace twice. <laughs> War and Peace, which is a huge Tolstoy saga. <laughs>
0: okay.
1: And I, sometimes I pick up just quick, small books by Paolo Coelho or by something that I can finish quickly. But I'm a bookworm. Like if I, if you leave me in a place long enough, you'll you find me like trying to download the. <laughs> or listen to a book yeah. do you use audible yeah i do i because a lot of the time you're climbing uh you you shouldn't listen to music because it changes your tempo so you should always have an ear out to what's happening around you so i always have one in and one out oh. and the audio is perfect because it's it's soft enough that you can hear your environment so i i do listen to audible i finished the 14 book saga on my last mountain
0: Wow, your your last one was Dunali, right? this summer?
1: Yeah, it was in June, July. And it was pretty hectic.
0: So but you were able to submit, submit it.:
1: Yes, I was.:
0: That was your second attempt, I believe.
1: It was my second attempt. I admire people who research, and you are pretty up there in terms of people about research, so give yourself credit for that.
0: Thank you. I mean, I just want to make sure your time is worth because you have such an incredible story no, and I want to... Thank
1: you so much for taking the time and research. You've been really good.
0: <laughs> thank you. But, I mean, I interviewed Kacen Crane, who was one of the youngest people to climb Seven Summit by the time he was 20 and it, it took him second attempt to climb Denali as well. How... Denali is
1: one of those stubborn ones. <laughs> what makes Denali different than Everest? Uh, Denali is an expedition style mountain. So you have to carry your entire gear yourself, which is very heavy. It's around 25 kilo backpack and then you pull a 25 kilo sled. That's the maximum weight you start off on the first day. And obviously when you deplete the, 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 you eat the food, it becomes a little bit lighter, but it becomes steeper later. So you have to put more weight on your back than the sled. It's a, it's a non-assist. So you have to carry everything and the weather is unpredictable and it's a moody mountain. And there's a lot of things that go, that can go wrong on that one. But it's a beautiful monster. It's one of those beauties that people like me and like this gentleman go back and do.
0: Were you more scared in terms of Denali than your other
1: mountains? Oh, yeah. Denali, I always say it was my demon. It was my monster. It scared me the most because I never had to do a second attempt. And that one had to do a second attempt. What was your feeling when you were on top of Denali? This last time, I was... Uh, I was Pandora's box on steroids. I was just like oh, I'm crying, I'm happy. And I'm not a crier at all, I don't cry. But I was so overwhelmed and overjoyed by the fact that I finished this rant in the seven summits. And I was just like oh, happy and teary and smiling, <laughs> crying. It was the weirdest moment one of the weirdest moments of my life. that was
0: <laughs> wow um and you also say that mountain is not that oh I'm climbing Everest for you if that's a mountain I want to go climb um did you feel like while you're
1: climbing Kilimanjaro that
0: you were gonna fall in love with mountain climbing and
1: there was something about me deciding to climb that mountain that infatuated me from the beginning the fact that it was so unknown and then when I got to the mountain and I lived that first experience it it spoke to me like nothing I've ever experienced. It was so strange to reach a place, which was the summit of, of Kilimanjaro, and felt like it, I belonged there. It's so strange to feel w- home in a place that you've never been before. Wow. To, it's so odd to come from the desert and then stand on the highest peak in Africa and feel like it fits. It was a very strange click in my life. I have, I have these moments in my life. I'm one of those people who's very lucky with these amazing Eureka moments. And that was one of them.
0: Uh, and I'm 24 years old. And I was in a place where you were when you were curious and you were trying to find out what you are passionate about or your calling in life. And I have so many of my friends where we want to contribute in a bigger extent, right? I'm a financial analyst uh, Monday to Friday and I do podcasts on weekends. But amazing thank you but um a lot of us we just don't know how to go about finding that thing that we want to spend rest of our lives um you know working on or improving on
1: give you advice like an older sister i can't give you that because i'm also trying to figure out my life but i'll tell you follow the passion i'll tell you follow follow those butterflies those butterflies in your stomach because that's not that feeling is not the only feeling you get when you like a time also happens when you love something Mm. love something and don't ever ever give yourself one big goal in life and then that's it that's a sad statement to have i want to do this and then that's it enjoy the journey enjoy the the falls enjoy enjoy the moments you get up enjoy the the wins enjoy enjoy the losses enjoy it all but just Go after the passion. Continue to look what makes makes you passionate. Don't get stuck in the mundane lifestyle of tick, tick, tick. I finished this. I finished that. I finished this. You know, it's very easy to say, but so hard to do, to to not live in the, the conformity of social conformity of what you're expected to do. So don't be afraid to fail. If I can give you any advice is do not be afraid to fail. There's no shame in failure, there's only shame in giving up, and there's even big, bigger shame in not trying something new. There's no shame in failing. Everybody fails in their life, but the most people who reach the heights and the, the pages of pages of history are filled with people who are ex-failure. So don't, don't be afraid to try something new. And um, be, be bold enough to take it, to take that first step. And, you know, it works, it doesn't work, but
0: at least try. tried. Wow. That's true. Um, so just listen to your gut feelings, right?
1: Follow your gut. Sometimes it g- gets you heartbroken. Sometimes it gets you to the top of the world. Wow. But your gut's got, it, got, got the best for you.
0: And I, like you said, like, don't be scared to fail. I think a lot of people, their biggest thing in life is being scared of failure. And I'm sure you had those.
1: No, they don't try anything new.
0: And I'm sure even you, like, um, going to your parents and telling them, "Mom and Dad, I want to climb oh, I Everest."
1: Have, <laughs> I failed stuff. So don't don't look at my story and think, "Look at her." No, no, no. I've had my fair share of failures. So don't don't worry about it. What is one failure that you're proud of? Denali the first time. Big failure, but I'm still proud of it.
0: Were you crushed
1: after? Yes. I was, I I don't think I know how to break, but I bent. That mountain bent me very badly.
0: Wow. What got you out of it and what made you make that
1: decision to go back? One question got me out of it that kept popping in my mind over and over again, which is, what are you willing to live with? Mm. A, A failure or a second failed attempt to give up? Or to have a second failed attempt. That's the question I asked myself. What will you be able to live with? To give up on the mountain or to try and fail again? And the answer was to try and fail again. I don't think I know how to give up. I don't think I know how to live with giving up. And I was completely happy with going on the mountain and, and not and failing it as long as I tried. But well, I got. It. So I got, I, I gambled and I won with this one
0: that that really gave me chills like what are you willing to live with you know um
1: but this is a question you should ask yourself in any situation whether it's where you work where you live who you love what you wear what are you what are you what what do you want to live with what is something that you are okay with living with and that's a very difficult question to ask yourself because we tend to choose what's easy we tend to choose what is
0: Common. you know you said like your first challenge was you know, reaching out to your parents and talking to them that you were gonna the
1: challenge was telling myself I want to do this H- how did
0: you convince yourself
1: I, I I wanted to to live that life I wanted to do something different that's you know the first step the first what was what was difficult was to find the courage to tell my parents what I wanted to do
0: well wow. I mean, I come from a really conservative family, and when you are living there, it's, I mean, I live in New York, I've been living for the past nine years, and for people, it's super easy to say, oh, go do that, go do this.
1: Yeah, they don't get it, they don't get, you can't just go do whatever you want, your family is your backbone, you have to respect them, so a lot of people don't get that.
0: Yeah, and for me, a lot of things like doing Ever Space Camp by myself, or, you know, like trekking and all this stuff it's it takes a lot of uh, mental energy to convince myself and tell myself and sometimes it takes a couple of months what is your thought process and what do you do in like in regards to convincing yourself
1: like i said i always ask myself what i can live with and i i wasn't okay with giving up i wasn't okay with just being like okay so i'm afraid to ask him so so i said why not i'll give it a shot and what was this reaction no (laughs) it was like a huh
0: no how long did it take you to actually convince him
1: i sent him a long email and and then he replied back and said okay for this one mountain and then it was a constant argument and battle that whole year every time i came back i wanted to do another mountain he's like so it was a it was a long
0: <laughs> process. Is he now more comfortable with you going out and
1: percent Now he's like, "Where are you going?" And he, he <laughs> stopped asking names of cities and stuff, and just says, "Which continent?" <laughs> <It's fun.
0: laughs> um, yeah. I think change comes from within. Do you feel like your cousins or your family members and women in your family are have more freedom because you were able to do this? Um, Yes
1: and no. So I'm used as an example for a positive thing and sometimes as a negative thing. So, for example, if I have a cousin who is acting strange or acting weird, someone would say, who do you think you are, Raha? Don't act like her. Like, don't be like her. And at the same time, I get other cousins saying, uh, well, why can't I do this Raha climbed Everest? So I get used as a negative and a positive (laughs) What were some of the
0: criticism you felt uh, or you know that there were after you got back,
1: just like uh that i that this is not a good example that there are better things to do, and I'm not a good Saudi and I should you know cover or I should act differently or climbing stupid i got I got on a rainbow an array of feedback, and i don't it doesn't really bother me was it mostly positive though from Saudi? I think, I think it's half-half. But then again, I'm a positive person, so I, maybe I see the positive more. But I think it's half-half.
0: Well, I'm, I'm really curious, because you say like you do what you want to do and like you're a really positive person. When was it that you got to a point to not really caring what people thought about you?
1: I think growing up with a brother and sister like mine, who are witty as hell, <laughs> very sharp, very smart, and they were very similar and I was always the ugly weird duckling that looked like a <laughs> woman. So I grew up being being I don't want to say bullied because they're they're both really nice, but as a young the youngest child who was so eccentric, I grew up being teased a lot. So I have thick skin. Like I very few things get to me and bother me in terms of people's criticism. Like I like so. No. Um, so I grew up very, very tough in terms of I don't care what anyone thinks. Yeah. And I carried I carried this kind of uh, <laughs> this armor with me. And I just don't care. And I, I joke and I say like I'm I have thick armor and, and I'm I'm sharp around the edges and I'm like, do not enter only because inside, deep down inside, I'm a little little teeny weeny little marshmallow. So I protect myself from the outside. But mm-hmm. inside I'm just as vulnerable as everyone else. But I've just learned to to have a thick layer, outer layer. Yeah,
0: it's like a coconut, right? You're harder on the outside, softer yeah, on the inside. Yeah,
1: some people are coconuts and some people are peaches.
0: Hmm. Wow.
1: So I'm a coconut.
0: Wow. Um, you know, as a Saudi woman, there are a lot of people think you know they're mostly oppressed or victims but you grew up there and you have like accomplished so much in your life and most of my listeners are from United States and Europe you know what do you want to tell them who Saudi women are
1: first of all i want to tell them to to broaden your perspectives to open your minds and open your hearts and and don't always believe what you see on TV or what you read, or the negativity in the media. Go have a conversation with someone of a completely different ethnic background, a completely different religious connotation, a completely different uh, sexual connotation, and just have an open conversation with them. Nine times out of ten, you'll you'll be blown away by high, by by how nice these people are, how different they are to you. I I I really think that nowadays people are too afraid mm-hmm. to befriend people that are different and that are out of their their the frame of mind that they're from. So I tell them to for every single for every single person who says that Arab women are oppressed, I want them to come and have dinner with my mom. And for every single person that, that says that Arab women are weak, I want you to climb with me. Right. And then I want you to do that. So I, I i I only I only tell you to to be more open minded, and that's all I ask because i I also sometimes fall victim to judging people and to, to having a a preconceived notion of what we expect, but you are you are being narrow minded and you are being I was being narrow minded and I was being uh close minded and it it hurt me and it hurt the other people. Try to change, change that change open open your mind oh my ring just flew Mm -hmm. (laughs) open your mind that's how excited I am my ruler is flying but just that's all I ask people is to sit and have a conversation with and this is what will change the world yeah is realize that people are are just different and it's completely normal to be different it's fine it doesn't make you any less important or any less right than me
0: yeah. And I think people need to realize everyone comes in different shapes and sizes just because yeah, someone you know, is... A-
1: how boring would it be to have a, a, a coloring box that's all the same color? How boring would that box be? How boring would that painting be if you had one box of, of, of pencils in the same shade and they tell you to draw a masterpiece? How boring <laughs> would that be? We're all just crayons and pencils of different shapes and colors and we're more beautiful together than alone. Absolutely. So I just I want people to, to stop building these walls in your minds and in your hearts because we're we're a beautiful we're a beautiful race. What makes us ugly is the outside uh stigmas and the the politics and all the stuff that comes as uh, layered but deep down inside I believe in the good of people so yeah I think I don't want to just listen to my story and imagine that I was born in a desert yet I climbed the highest mountains in the world so do you really think that your that your idea of our women is still accurate
0: wow and like one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast is I want people to see there are women in Saudi who are climbing Mount Everest. There is
1: a woman from Afghanistan who's teaching girls how to code. It's awesome. I think you're doing, you are doing a great thing for community. I think it's really cool. That's why I took the time to do it. Cause I was happy uh, that someone like you is doing something as simple as sharing stories, but someone has to do it. So you're doing a great job. Thank you. And,
0: um, you know, like this year has been such a huge change for your country. Um, Women are allowed to drive now. Um, there is, I think, a few weeks ago, there is a gym for women and there was a woman that was, um, I think, elected in the parliament or the government.
1: Slowly starting.
0: Do you feel like you are responsible for the slow changes as well?
1: I, I, cannot, I can never take responsibility for something as grand as that. But I think I I have a small role to play maybe i might not have been the, the the straw that broke the camel's back but i'm one of the straws that made that final straw count so i don't think i would never imagine myself to be as important as that but i had a small role to play i had a small note to play in that song and uh maybe if i wasn't there the song wouldn't sound differently but me being there made it more more interesting, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, little thing counts. Every yeah. little thing counts. And I think I had the little thing. Very little. But
0: I'm, I'm sure you had more than a little one. But a lot of people...
1: I'm happy with, straw. I'm happy with being one straw.
0: <laughs> but it's just a lot of people don't... You know, I think a lot of people were shocked that they were just allowed to drive a few weeks ago, but you have to realize that that's a huge... Oh,
1: it's a huge step. Oh, a huge step. Don't let anyone... Belittle it. It's a huge step. Yes, it's late, but we'll take it.
0: We'll yeah. still take
1: it. Yeah. And you can drive. You can go to work. You have that freedom. You know. Of things, I of the and if you check my social media, I was so sad. I, I couldn't be one of, I couldn't drive my sister on her wedding day. It's one of the things that made me really sad. So now maybe one day she gets to drive me in mine. Oh wow! Um, who's your role model? Besides the big names, besides these incredible athletes, besides these incredible big stories, I always say that I'm inspired by the simple, average, everyday person that gets to live an extraordinary life. These people that were not meant to be extraordinary, yet find the way to to live beyond their own capabilities. and it's, And it's just these people inspire me the most. Some are known, some are unknown, and sometimes I, mean, I, I get inspired inspiration by a smile. I, I, I went I've been to some of the poorest countries in the world, and I've been inspired by how amazing people can live and be happy and be smiley and be content with almost nothing. Mm-hmm. That also inspires me. So
0: yeah, I get
1: inspiration from everywhere. I'm a big sponge.
0: Yeah, so wait to be, and you say your mom always supported you no matter what.
1: Well, we all we had our ups and downs, we had our arguments, but I think my mother is the one that knew me the most, the first. Like she, she always kind of knew my character, and she always knew that if I wanted something, I'll go after it. So she stopped forcing me to do things and started negotiating, and she always knew how I was before anyone else.
0: Wow. Yeah. What, where do you see yourself in or what's your goal for next five years?
1: If my mom's listening, I'll, tell, I'll say to get married. <laughs> if she's not listening, uh, more travel, uh, Just to, to, People ask me, what, what's your goal? And I tell them to, to be happy, to live happy. <laughs> Everyone looks at me like I'm insane. That's where I want to be in five years, to continue to be happy. and it's so easy to say but so hard to do because happiness is a choice so hopefully in five years I would I would have added more countries in my list I would have finished and published my book I would have uh dipped my toes in all the oceans like I was saying and I I just want to I'm I'm an insatiably curious person so I don't know where I'll end up. In, but I never imagined I'd end up here. If you asked me a few years ago and you'd say that I would be giving interviews because of my planning career, I would be like, you're insane. <laughs> if you, if anyone ever told me that I the top brands in the world would shoot me as a, as a role model, I would have been like, you're you're you need to go check your your, your brain. Because I never imagined this would happen. I never imagined my love of sports and my insatiable appetite for curiosity would land me these amazing opportunities but you never know that's how beautiful life is it's kind of what makes it so beautiful and so hard in the same time mm-hmm. it's so amazing. so i don't know where i'll be in five years but hopefully so that i can just keep my parents calm and have a partner <laughs> to travel the world with <laughs> uh,
0: when is your book coming out i'm actually really excited
1: i no, oh, so I, it's around 90% done. So it's it's written. I'm just looking for a publisher at this point. So it's it's finding the right publisher.
0: Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Do you see yourself living in Dubai or do you see yourself going back to Saudi and living there?
1: I love it here. I love it here. And, and I'm not really here full time. I'm not really there full time. My mom says, Raha is half in Dubai, half in the airport, half in tent, half in Jeddah and half in the beach. She is like to be honest, I travel like crazy. Like I I bribe my friends to come and water my plants because I love my plants so much. I, I leave like chocolate in my in my pantry and I bribe them to come, you know, to water my, my children's because I have a big plant here and I have a mini garden there and I I travel a lot. So I always um I'm always everywhere, but I think that's kind of my character. I'm a bit of a nomad, and I need a base, which is here. But um, yeah, I, I, I've learned never to say
0: never, so you never know where I'll end up. I don't think I've talked much about Everest, but did you cry when
1: you're top of the world? Nope. Really? Nope. How I was it? One summit and one summit alone, which was Denali.
0: What was it like? What was it being on top of the world though?
1: is although I'm asked this question so many times, I can never answer it properly i I felt simultaneously grand and tiny in the same moment. It's hard to explain. I felt like I was a mammoth of a person of a character, and I also felt like a speck of dust that's going to be blown in the wind. It was this strange feeling of grandioseness and timeliness that was battling in my heart. And I was just so blown away by how beautiful it was and how, and the fact that I was standing on the highest mountain in the world (laughs) was just so, I can never explain it. And I think I'll always have this smile and this giggle whenever people ask me how I felt when I got up there, because it's just, I was born in the desert. I was born in Jeddah and yet at some point in time. I touch the sky how do you explain that how do you describe that feeling i don't know how wow but and i
0: think i'm sure you were scared too because the hardest part is getting down right
1: talks on steroids happy sad scared (laughs) just like everything everything was just like
0: (sighs) um i want hungry What are you, you thinking about burgers and fries?
1: Oh God, yeah, burgers, sweet potato fries, a Moroccan bath, maybe two, pasta, a di- a coke, and and like a million and other yummy things.
0: Yeah. and um, you are someone who's like really advocating for girls to work out in Saudi Arabia because there is so much obesity uh, from what I heard from one of your interviews.
1: It's hurting hurting our generation. We have no no activities, very few activities. Has that changed um, in past few years? Slowly, yes. Uh, Officially, now you can have gyms. Schools are, are implementing slowly. It is slowly changing. But until we have... A, a society that accepts sports for women, then it's going to be difficult to change that, right? Yeah. And I think
0: it should be easier to implement that because it's like a segregated schools already. So... Uh,
1: yeah. But it, again, it was the mentality. It was not the lack of means. It was the mentality that it's sports is for boys and it's not necessary and it's a waste of time and blah, blah, blah. Well, um, I want to ask you one question. Someone who's listening to you right now in
0: one of the most conservative families... In you know one of the conservative countries, and they want to follow their dreams, but they don't know how to. What advice would you give them?
1: Be bold enough to ask for it. Be what? bold enough to tell your family this is what you want, and you're probably here. You're going to hear a no, but take it as an invitation, not as an ending, as a beginning.
0: Yeah. What advice would you give to your 20 year old self?
1: Drink more water. Wear more sunblock. Uh, one advice, I can't tell you what it is. And just to never, ever regret something that you really wanted, going after something that you really wanted. Don't be upset. Don't be upset if you don't, if you didn't end up where you are, where you thought you would be. Like you have this plan in your mind of who you, where you're going to be at this age, and blah, blah, blah. And I was frustrated that I wasn't where I was. So don't be upset. Don't be upset. upset. Life is not meant to be what you expect. So, just what, yeah?
0: What's your mindset when you hit a wall, either with mount
1: mountains or in your personal life? Your mantra you live by. I move. Like if I, I try to move. If there's something that's bothering me or if there's something that's blocking, I try to move. I'm a physical person, and if it's an emotional block, then I also try to move that mindset. I also try to change that mindset. I'm a logical person. I'm I'm half logic, half emotion. I'm a, I'm a bit of a ball. i swing. My pendulum swings from being very logical to very emotional. I have a wide range. So sometimes when I get blocked emotionally, then I go to the, uh, the, the mental and I say, okay, so I try to negotiate between the two and try to, but you know, but you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. sometimes this blocks, so I use my mind to unblock it and sometimes that gets blocked. So I I, I try to. And if all else fails, a day in the beach playing volleyball with my friends is always a good idea.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. I want to ask you a last question. What is your
1: definition of courage? To be terrified, to be afraid, to not being able to breathe and still doing it and still going, doing the thing that makes you, that takes your breath away. That's what courage is. It's Going against all the odds and knowing that you might fail and you might fail miserably, but still going anyway because your 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 fear of standing still far exceeds your fear of your fear of falling down. That's courage to me, and I would always rather have a few cuts and scrapes and bumps and bruises over standing still and being perfect. Oh my
0: That's god, me. that gave me chills. Thank you so <laughs> much.
1: Pleasure. I'm happy to held up. Hey, you
0: guys, thank you so, so much for listening to this podcast. And if this episode has added value in any way, shape or form, then please, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a comment, share this with your friends and family and go to limitlessquid.com for show notes. And I'll talk to you guys next week.